Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Kernels of Truth brought to you by Progress Kentucky. This week we're going to discuss Labor Day, uh, why we still don't have a minimum wage that people can live on with our friend Bill Londergan of Kentucky's AFL-CIO. Uh, we're going to welcome Chuck Eddy to the campaign corner. Chuck is running for Kentucky Senate District 22, which is some of Fayette County, all of Jessamine and Girard counties. Uh, and then we're going to close out with our uh, call to action. But first, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? I know you are because you're right here. And in 61 days, folks, we're going to pick between Rand Paul and Charles Booker. We're going to pick whether or not we're going to give women any reproductive freedom in our commonwealth. We're going to decide what type of state house will be in Frankfurt to work with or against uh, Governor Andy Bashir. These are very big decisions, and we need your vote and your voice to make those decisions. Uh, if you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, join Progress Kentucky. It is easy. Just follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, wherever you spend time on social media. Just make sure to like and share and comment on our content. If you like what you're hearing on Kernels of Truth, give us a thumbs up. If you're watching now, give us a thumbs up. Are you there? Give us a thumbs up. Uh, leave us a review if you listen as a podcast. Those reviews are really important. Uh, and then go ahead and just share out the show. So uh, before we jump into it, though, uh, I'm going to check in with the co-hosts. Uh, let me know who you are, where you are, what does your protest sign say today? Uh, and you there watching on the interwebs, please do weigh in as well. Let us know what you're protesting or celebrating today. Is it a rally or is it more a demonstration? What's your sign say? Because uh, this isn't some, you know, talking head news show. This is a digital demonstration for a more compassionate Commonwealth. Uh, and all of us need to rise up. So um, I, I'm Aaron. I'm coming to you from Childsburg in Lexington. And mine says, if you celebrated Labor Day, but voted against raising the minimum wage, you must be a Republican. Uh, that's me. Going to check in with my lovely co-host, Kimberly. Kimberly, are you there? Are you? Can we hear you? Are you frozen? All right. So I think we might be having some technical difficulties, uh, which is unfortunate. Kimberly? Uh, all right. Well, then... I'm sorry. Uh, Nate is going to keep an eye on her stream and see if she uh, comes back around, in which case we will uh, check in with Kimberly. So uh, we'll, we'll just get into news of the week. That's what we're going to do. So news of the week. we got a couple of important stories. Hi. Uh, hey. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Kimberly. How are you this evening? I don't know. I think I'm having some. We uh, Yeah, there's been some technical difficulties, some, some stream issues, perhaps. Um, and but I can maybe hear you now. Hello, you I'm here. Can you can All you right. hear me? OK, Aaron? Yeah, sure. Right now, for sure. Who are you? Where are you? What's your protest sign say? Um, I'm Kimberly Cecil Jones, and I'm here in Louisville, Kentucky, at the Macy's Oxmoor. Um, so I'm working more than what you think on democracy right here on my break. So I'm glad to be here. How about you, Aaron? Yeah, I'm glad to have you for sure. Um, glad that you're, you know, working working democracy as your side hustle right now, and I'm glad that you're Macy's break. <laughs> 
uh, is able to line up with uh, with our uh, show this evening. So uh, let's get into it. I, the story I wanted to lead with was a really important story from our friends with the Kentucky Center of Economic Policy, uh, Kentucky Center for Economic Policy. They received, released uh, a new Kentucky workforce report uh, called the State of Working Kentucky, which really is an eye-opening analysis of the state of workers in Kentucky. It demonstrates a historic economic recovery from the pandemic slowdown, one that was uneven, showing white workers doing better than workers of color. A lot of really other uh, important other takeaways as well. Uh, and just a little bit about this Kentucky Center of Econo for Economic Pro uh, Policy. They're an independent, nonpartisan organization that produces analysis of key economic and policy issues facing Kentucky. Their research helps decision makers, community leaders, journalists, and all Kentuckians understand how policy decisions impact our state. Uh, we've had their executive director on before, Jason Bailey, Bailey, great informative guest. But let's dig in a little bit on that report. If you think if you take a look at this image, it just shows really amazingly how, how deep this recession was or how deep the pandemic uh, economic impacts went like basically twice as deep as the you know, the Great Recession uh, that the Obama administration kind of led us out of. Uh, but it shows that it recovered uh, like twice as fast as any other recession that we've we've been through. So really important to keep in mind just what our economy has been through over the past few years. Uh, and if you see the, the next slide here, the, the government recovery is absolutely lagging compared to the private sector recovery. So that one is, I think, really important to point out with because that is that is how you know the government has responded at the state level in Kentucky. We have not brought government workers back on the way the private sector has bought, brought people uh, back on. And I think the the center points out that this is really important for rural communities because a lot of you know some of the best jobs in rural uh, counties are related to kind of state and government uh, uh, agencies and the work that they're doing. So that is, I think, a real need. As we look uh, to like the next steps the governor could take or the legislature could take. Uh, also, it shows that uh, Kentucky's median income uh, is is really low and it's lower than the kind of cost of living. This is the next slide uh, that, you know, really shows that if you've got a family with a few kids and you're making the median income uh, that you're not you're not covering your costs. So that's, I think, really important. And again, kind of leads to some of the policy recommendations that they make. Uh, one that I want to underscore, you know, I'm going to keep talking about it until it happens. Uh, this report recommends raising the minimum wage, which has not been increased in 13 years in Kentucky. According to the report, this is the longest it has been since the uh, most recent increase in the history of the minimum wage. And as a result, the value of today's 725 minimum wage is the lowest it's been since 1956, 27% lower than it uh, was when it was last increased. Uh, they also support a push for paid sick and parental leave, which a number of states have. We obviously do not. Uh, they uh, support funding for child care assistance and unemployment cash payments. So uh, also they think the creation of a state level child tax credit. Uh, or CDC and an earned income tax credit EITC could really help uh, with folks uh, in in this Commonwealth. So the temporary monthly the temporary monthly federal CTC uh, cut child poverty nearly in half in Kentucky, but unfortunately Congress let it expire at the end of 2021. A lot of federal support for these programs was included in the American Rescue Plan, 
which, you know, these are time limited programs and they've either already run out or will run out without action from Congress. Of course, Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul both voted against the American Rescue Plan, which, you know, passed with the barest of, of majorities. And again, it was, you know, a a, um, a bill that didn't that couldn't be filibustered, right? So, or else Mitch McConnell would have absolutely kept it from passing. Uh, the report also recommends support for uh, growth of jobs in the public sector by investing in that public workforce. So I mentioned before, that's where the recovery has really lagged. And because public sector workers operate across the state, their incomes are an important investment in local economies in rural parts of the state where the private sector incomes are low and private sector jobs are less common. So the lack of growth in government employment during the COVID recovery as described in the report is really a drag on the overall economy and part of a larger trend that has been, um, you know, due to these state budget cuts, lack of raises, which reduced the state workforce by 34% over the past 30 years, despite the state population, and then the need for those state workers growing by 21%. So, you know, really does show, a you know, that the, the state is divorced from the need. I think the state workforce is divorced from the need for that workforce uh, and how that workforce is treated. So we now have uh, $2.7 billion in the budget reserve trust fund, which is a historic amount that can be used for rehiring key positions at the state level to address needs like flood prevention, the opioid crisis, education, and more. So the report does specifically call out school employee pay. The state really does need to fund increases for school workers, such as bus drivers and cafeteria workers, along with teachers whose average wages have fallen 8% since 2008, and even further in some poorer counties. So that shortage in these positions, a real and growing problem that weakens job opportunities locally and will make the state's economy less productive in the long run. Uh, legislature did not fund school employee raises in the budget. Many school districts were not able to afford adequate raises with the limited increases in state funding that the legislature did provide. So again, it kind of just hits home that there's a lot to be done in Frankfurt. Uh, and the, you know, the current leadership in, in the legislature is not working with the governor because the governor's budget included a number of these things. But, you know, again, it's late. It's been, you know, Labor Day was on Monday. We should be asking every politician, what do you think about these types of policy recommendations, whether it's raising the minimum wage or paid sick and parental leave uh, or the state level child tax credit again, which, you know, when the federal child tax credit hit uh, in the Recovery Act, that cut childhood poverty in half, uh, a really important, important policy for, for poor communities. And we've got them here in Kentucky for sure. So that's, uh, I think, really important work. Really appreciate the work of the, the center. And if anyone wants to dig into it, we'll share the link in the comments. But the Kentucky Center for Economic Policy does a really important work. And this is our kind of landmark annual report to look at the state of work in Kentucky, which we appreciate uh, them sharing. And I hope you appreciate it as well. So uh, Kimberly, anything that struck you on that uh, on that report? You are muted. Okay. Um, what I was going to just say is like um, I took some notes about not funding uh, really for school employee raises. Uh, there were none in the budget. Um, then also, you know, in Kentucky, we're ranked like number 48 in the country as far as education is concerned. I'm very concerned about education because when I look at uh, what we're doing now, what we do now will show up 20, 25 years from now, how we have been teaching our children. And, you know, there are some great young people out here, most definitely, but 
sometimes it makes you wonder when you get older, these are going to be those that actually run this country. Uh, we need to compete and, and do more in Kentucky. Uh, we need to have education for each child that can rival uh, private schools or um, as they're trying to talk about charter schools. Yeah. Back to you. Yeah, for sure. Education is critical in addressing so many of these needs. And of course, that investment in the state workforce really can pay huge dividends for sure. Uh, I think the next story one we wanted to get to uh, is that uh, there's been a new entrance. Uh, a new entrant in the Kentucky governor's race. I know that we've been talking about we're just two months away from the election. Not this election. This election is a year and two months uh, down the road. But it was uh, grabbing some headlines today. So I thought we might want to talk about Kimberly. You want to take that story? The yes and no. Okay. <laughs> um, actually, you know, it just makes my blood temperature boil. And I still am here with um, my peeps and, and associates here and colleagues. So uh, Kelly Craft basically is in the governor's race. How about that? You know, um, Kelly Craft has made that decision that she's going to be in the governor's race. How many people do we actually need in the governor's race? Um, we know that Daniel Cameron is a favorite of Mitch McConnell, but I think this particular time having ties with Mitch McConnell is not going uh, to help that particular candidate running for governor. Now, uh, McAdams was smart, so to speak, because he said, hey, too many people in the field, let me go on back and run for the office of which I did have. And I'm really happy to hear where he's saying the misinformation about elections has to stop. So, you know, I could say so many other things, but um, I can't at this moment. I'm not like at my home right now because I want to get down with the get down. But uh, Aaron, I know you can finish that up for me. <laughs> so so we know Macy's uh, is a progressive workplace. We don't know how uh, how welcoming they are of, uh, of Kimberly's tirades. <laughs> no. Yeah. Kim. Kelly Craft, who's bought every job she's ever had politically, right? So she was an ambassador, uh, used her husband's money to make lots of contributions to Donald Trump. Uh, she was then excoriated in Congress for not really showing up in Canada to do her job. And when she did, she was mostly just meeting with people from Kentucky that happened to be in Canada. So, yeah, she's uh, she's a piece of work. Uh, I, you know, I think there's been a love, lovely response from the Internet. Uh, I don't know if, uh, if Nate has those images queued up. Mark Murphy did a really good uh, cartoon uh, calling her out because, you know, for the past two years, uh, she has, uh, I think, bid the most at the state fair for the country ham. So, you know, millions of dollars she has spent for country hams thinking that, you know, maybe the governorships like that country ham, you can just uh, you can just shell out the dollars and get the job. It, you know, I was. Everyone knew she was looking at this race. Everyone knew she was interested. I I thought that maybe Cameron getting in and getting Trump's endorsement, you know, despite all the millions of dollars that uh, she and her husband have spent backing Donald Trump and actually working for Donald Trump, uh, air quotes on working, I guess. Uh, you know, the, 
I would imagine, you know, I think they hung out with him at the Derby last year. Like, I, I would hope that they, I bet they were hoping that he would hold out on his endorsement and maybe, you know, support them both. But he came out, you know, guns a blazing for Dan Cameron, despite that Mitch McConnell connection, which, you know, he hates Mitch McConnell, old crow, as he says. It's very interesting. And, you know, I, it's going to be an interesting race to watch. There's a lot of folks crowding that field. Uh, but I am, uh, I don't know. It seems to me seems seems unlikely she'll be the victor. But, you know, we've had rich folks from out of state, like spend a lot of money and get the get the governor's mansion in the past. Uh, and maybe that's that's their their track record here. I don't know. Um, so, Kimberly, I don't know if you have anything else. If you've got a minute to talk about other uh, about this story otherwise. But, you know, we can get on to our guests for sure. If there's nothing else you, you wanted to add. Okay, one of my employees had to leave my office, so yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm all about girl power, you know. I'm a big fan of Beyonce's song, Who Runs the World? Girls, right? I, I'm I'm all into our feminine empowerment and feminine rights but that does not necessarily mean that just because a woman is running for an office i'm gonna vote for her and if you tell me that i have to vote for a kelly craft it ain't gonna happen you kimberly do not have to vote for kelly craft i think you have to vote for andy Bashir, right so i you know i mean oh yeah didn't have to he didn't put you on his you know marijuana legalization task force so i know that's a that's an edge for you and that's you know some you know some concerns but yeah no obviously that's the republican primary and we're not i'm i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say you're not a Republican, so you're not going to be voting in that primary, uh, and we don't we don't get to make this decision. But maybe we can influence it. But um, I think our audience probably doesn't vote much in the Republican primary either. But but you know what? I will tell you this though. You know, um, Andy, yes, about the you know legal legalization of medicinal, but it really needs to be you know the other kind too. Um, but there's so much more to him. Let's just think back for a second when he first became governor. Uh, I went to the um, governor's inauguration ball and it was absolutely wonderful. I had so much fun. It was just great. But remember, he just got sworn in in January. And, you know, two months later, we have the pandemic you know, at the height of it. Plus, in addition to that, Andy Bashir was dealing with all of the things that Matt Bevin left for him, right? I mean, this is an extremely brilliant man who actually loves what he does. You know, he is there. And you know what? He's one of the most accessible governors that I've ever known, truly. One of the most, I mean, if you really, really want to see the governor, you can see the governor. I'm not saying you're going to have like this long meeting in his office or at the mansion, but he goes around this state, you know, all the time. You can find out where he's going to be and, and shake hands with him and meet him personally. 
You know, that's the kind of governor that we have that actually cares about the people. He cares about education. He cares about getting those out that stopping the progressive plans of Kentucky. We cannot stay in the 1950s and 60s. We have to progress and move on. And these generations that we have right now, Aaron, I'm talking about the millennials, your generation uh, Zen or Zs, they're not patient like we were. You know, they want it and they want it now. And I think that our governor understands that. It's just that we need to get more people in the um, uh, representatives that are Democrat, as well as state senators that are Democratic as well, so that this progressive agenda can move forward. But no, I'm not voting for no chicks that's not about the business. Period. I said, <laughs> period. Yeah, no, I think you like you're that, right. Aaron, did you like There's that? Period. I did. I like the period. Yeah, that was. I'm sorry that I stepped on that a little bit. Uh, I think that was all wonderful, and I concur that Andy. You know, here's what I will say. I don't know that Andy's progressive. I think he's like, uh, but I think he's a smart guy, and he cares about our state. And liberal policies really do care for people better than conservative policies. You know, tax cuts for the rich and making abortion more illegal and making guns more accessible. That's kind of all the the Republicans have. Although when they showed up in Frankfurt, they had another kind of plank to their platform, which for the past couple sessions has been take away Andy's power and whatever he wants to do, stand in the way. So, you know, people love Andy. I love Andy. You know, we met, hung out in the, the Capitol parking lot under the tent for his inauguration. I, I, I did not know you were there, Kimberly. We missed each other at that. Uh, unfortunately I did see Chuck Eddie there, our, our, our next guest. And he took a, uh, we did some selfies, I think. Also, I got Charles Booker to take a picture of me and my wife at the event. I didn't actually get a picture with Charles Booker, but I, I got him to take a picture of me and my wife because I thought we looked pretty good. Uh, but yeah, if you want to hang out with Andy, hang out with my friend Nate. Uh, Nate, our producer, they go to Andy's Bakery. I don't remember the name of it, but it's like right there next to the governor's mansion uh, on the Capitol. You can walk up there, get yourself a croissant, uh, you know, maybe a... Um, some other baked good and the governor seems to really like it. He shows up there quite frequently. So if you want to see him and don't, and you don't know how to get on his calendar, but you know, you say he's easy to get a hold of Kimberly. When's he going to be on the show? We got to bring him to the show. I know, but right now I've talked to him about it. I'm going to be talking again uh, because what, when I'm off from work and everything, I'll have nothing to do but like call and bug people. Like, you know, Aaron, you're most definitely on my list that I'm going to bug, as well as Chuck Eddy and, and so many others and Nate Dog. You know, I'll be bugging you all throughout the day and the evening and the night. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I'll be yeah. bugging. Keep an eye open for that phone number. Sure. Uh, showing yeah. up. Uh, all right. Everyone loves to chat with Kimberly. You know who wants to chat with Kimberly? It's Chuck Eddy. He's waiting. Uh, we got to bring him into the show. So this is our campaign corner segment. Really important commitment we have made is to bring you as many candidates as we possibly can between now and November 8th. Uh, we have got a great uh, run so far, uh, but you know we've covered every uh, every. Mm -hmm every congressional district. So all six congressional districts, we've had somebody on from, from those races uh, and we're doing the state house races and the state Senate races. So Chuck Eddie, you are running uh, really excited to have you. You're running for state Senate district 22, which includes a little 
bit of uh, Fayette County and a lot of Jessamine or all of Jessamine in Girard County. Uh, so uh, welcome to the show, Chuck. Thanks. Uh, great to be with you. Actually, uh, uh, Aaron and I have spent some time together in the cold weather uh, out by Mitch McConnell's office when we were holding up signs. Nate was there, too. Uh, and I'll tell you what, it was, it was a, a great time in the old town tonight, but it was cold. So I'm glad to be <laughs> glad to be inside warm. Of course, we've also spent some time down at the courthouse. Uh, so yes, I'm Chuck Eddy. Uh, I'm I Democrat sued Chuck. Defendant. That's why we're at the courthouse together. I sued him. Moscow. Yes. And, um, so for those of you who may be familiar with my name, but wonder what the heck, what am I? Well, I ran against Andy Barr when I was still registered Republican in the primary in 2018 and 2020, um, because I was trying to pull the party moderate. Well, I, I failed. I failed miserably. Uh, and I left the Republican Party December 2020 when 126 Republican congressmen, that's it, two thirds of them and 18 Republican attorney generals went to the Supreme Court and said, let's throw out 20 million legitimate presidential votes because we don't like how the states did it. Uh, you don't have to worry about the governors or senators, representatives. They're all OK. It's just the presidential votes. Well, the Supreme Court, in one of their few good decisions, said, you know, y'all don't have any standing. Get away from here. So I said, I'm gone. Deuces. I'm out of here. Uh, December 20th, uh, December 18th, 2020, I registered Democrat and I haven't looked back. I will not look back because that party has become full on Trumpian, hard right. Uh, I don't even think it's semi-fascist. Uh, I'm it's it's not a good deal. That being said, some of the secret sauce that we have are what I used to be a moderate Republican and what many uh, of our voters. And I say our voters are moderate Republicans. I campaigned for Andy Bashir in 2019, knocked on doors for Amy McGrath as well and for myself. And in southern Fayette County, as Aaron mentioned, that's part of my district. I knocked on a lot of doors of Republicans who haven't voted Republican in a general election in almost a decade. They've been voting Democratic. Uh, these are people that support labor like I do, support public education like I do, support women's rights like I do, just haven't changed their, their, their registration. Now, it's very important that we look at um, the various districts and what, what, where the strengths are, but that's the reservoir we've got of support. And if you think back to Kansas, where their constitutional amendment failed, by almost 20 points, it was because 25 to 30 percent of the Republicans who voted in their primary voted no on that constitutional amendment. Now, we've got to bring that energy here. And by the way, my, my blatant uh, yard sign advertisement over my shoulder, um, I have a bunch available. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's very important to know that our allies are independents, Mm -hmm. are moderate Republicans and even some conservative or financially conservative Republicans that are pro personal rights. OK, so that's very important to remember that that they're there. Um, now, uh, one of the things about campaigning for Bashir, I knocked on about 3000 doors. There was a bunch of us. Uh, I had a Facebook group, Republicans for Andy Bashir and Jacqueline Coleman had about a 1200 uh people that were on that we're out there they're out there i'm no longer out there i'm no longer the unicorn as my friend jenny ward used to call me i, I when i switched parties i called her up and said i'm sorry i'm no longer your republican unicorn she says that's okay i like you better this way um why am i running my opponent 
is an extremely hard right Republican. He voted for in the last session, he voted to make it more difficult for uh, working poor and um, marginalized Kentuckians to get benefits. He voted to spend $25 million to give $25 million of our tax money to charter schools. He voted for the bill that would give uh, ban abortion with no exceptions whatsoever. He voted to uh, make uh, to reduce the, the influence of the parents and teachers on the school based decision making committees. In that same bill, SB1, they voted for more censorship in the classroom of teachers and what they teach. Uh, he voted to reduce the income tax rate and raise the sales tax rate. Who does that who does that hurt? That hurts working poor people and it benefits rich people. He has been consistent in everything he's done. He's against medical marijuana. He's a pain doctor against medical marijuana. I find that horrible. I've got a lot of veterans in my family. They need access to medical marijuana. They don't need to be on opioids. It's very important. We have an opioid epidemic in this country. So many of these people could be better helped by medical marijuana. Now, that's one of the reasons it's important to get me into the state Senate. Medical marijuana bill passed last session in the House, bipartisan support. Um, but when it came to the Senate, the Senate uh, president, Robert Stivers and Damon Thayer, the Republican majority leader said, nah, we don't want to call it up. We need more research. Well, that's a bunch of bunk uh, because there's been plenty of research. We need to have that uh, legalized now. It's extremely important that we do that. Um, you know, I mentioned I'm a strong supporter of labor. The last time I saw Bill Lundergan, the, the, your next guest, the president of CIO and uh, AFL-CIO in, in Kentucky, is we were both at a, a rally down in London uh, for Call Center Workers United, a part of the commissioner, uh, excuse me, um, Communication Workers of America, because they're trying to organize call centers. Well, let me tell you about call centers. I used to work in a call center for a number of years. They are the most abused people out there. Uh, in fact, when I resigned early to go campaign for Bashir, I had two weeks of paid time off available. Well, when I gave my when I gave my notice, they said, you know, you can't get PTO in the last two weeks. You're going to be here. OK, so can I get paid a check? No. Uh, so I'm going to change my 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 uh, resignation date. No, you already resigned. So after they didn't do that, I actually left like within 20 minutes of that meeting. That's insane. Also, we didn't have sick days. So so call center workers are very much abused and they deserve representation just like um, just like industrial workers, just like Amazon workers, just like the baristas that are getting it right now through Starbucks. And I know there's also a campaign in, in Louisville against their local um, Hess Brothers uh, uh, coffee shop. But it's very important. All these people deserve it. Minimum wage. Do you realize that our minimum wage here in Kentucky is still seven and a quarter, seven dollars and twenty five cents? OK, it needs to be raised. There's no reason it shouldn't be 15. This this abuse of the workers has been accelerated under the current supermajority, Republican supermajority. As soon as Bevin got in, they passed the right to not work law. Well, it's, I call it the right to not work right to work law. OK. We need to restore prevailing wage here in Kentucky. We need to make sure that you have got more organizing uh, rights. And the AFL-CIO, in addition to endorse, endorsing candidates such as myself, is also supporting 
opposing the constitutional amendment number one. Why is that important? That amendment is the one that allows the legislature to call itself into session whenever it wants to. Currently, it's only the governor who can do that. You all saw that two weeks ago when we needed money for the uh, Eastern Kentucky flooding. They came in, they, they put it together, they voted on it. Remarkable cooperation, bipartisan support. They got into town, they got out of Dodge, they got the money done. The problem with this constitutional amendment is that if, if David Osborne in the House and, and, and uh, Robert Stivers in the Senate agree, they can call a special session. Well, folks, $65,000 a day is what that costs us, even if there's no value to the, the special session. A few years ago, Bevan called a special, special session. I went down to uh, Frankfurt with a bunch of my teacher friends that I hang out with, and that session got nowhere. It wasted three days worth, and that's because there was no agreement. He called it thinking he could force people to do something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, hey, so Chuck, this is all I think really important stuff. I'm glad to know somebody is opposed to Amendment One. I hadn't really been paying much attention to that, but yeah, the fact that you, you know, the legislature one more anti-Andy power grab, right? So right. basically, everything they're trying to do is stand in the way of him being the actual governor uh, and these kind of not elected statewide folks uh, trying to claim as much power as possible. Glad to hear your your perspective. Uh, how's the campaign going? What kind of feedback are you getting out there? It's going well, and I just want to tell people how they can help, among other things. If you look at this handy-dandy, fine-looking wall hanger, if you go to that website or you can go to one of the, the uh, uh, social media uh, platforms um, and you can get more information about me, we're doing postcard writing. I've got over 45 people writing thousands of postcards. We're going to do a major canvassing kickoff on the 17th. And I also want to say I'm not just in favor of labor. I'm a proud of a member of the Kentucky 120 United American Federation of Teachers Union. Nice. Um, nice. That's all I've well, got. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for throwing your hat in the ring. Thank you for coming to your senses and joining the Democratic Party. I <laughs> uh, know it, it was nice to have a Republican friend that I agreed with on most politics. It was, it was, it was unique. But I will say this. Uh, I was driving last weekend down through Jessamine County to take uh, my daughter to a cross-country meet. And the only yard sign I saw on that drive was yours. Uh, so way to go there. Uh, clearly you're winning Jessamine County so far. Uh, one last, one last thing. Um, you say at the beginning, what's your protest sign? My protest sign is vote no on number two, because the second condes- c- c- uh, constitutional sure. amendment is the one that is to put no right to abortion into the, uh, the Kentucky constitution. It's very important yeah. that we oppose that. Yeah. And I just For want sure. to remind you. For sure. And we will talk about that later on at the end of our uh, call, to, call to, our call to action in the show, sh- close to the show. Uh, that's an issue we definitely want to underscore for everyone to get involved with, for sure. But yeah, thanks for reminding us, Chuck. And thanks so much for joining us. All right. So that was Campaign Corner. Uh, really exciting to have Chuck Eddy, our friend Chuck Eddy. Uh, now we're a little bit behind schedule uh, and we're going to go to our friend Bill Londrian. Uh, for our featured interview because hey folks labor day was monday we got to check in with labor and see what the heck's going on here in kentucky bill thank you so much uh for for joining us this evening you bet you like to be here again aaron it's good to see you and kimberly good evening to both of you i think you i think you were you were one of our early guests uh when we were uh moscow mitch monday so before we (laughs) transitioned to progress kentucky uh and now you've been on a couple times here with colonels of truth so thank you so much for being a frequent flyer on Colonel, uh, you, you bet. You bet. Glad to be here. And it was uh, good to see uh, Chuck Eddy. And as he mentioned the last time we 
I saw him. It was on a picket line down there, and uh, we were uh, together for the workers that were there. So, uh, of course, he's a K- Kentucky AFL-CIO endorsed candidate as well. That's now awesome. That we're gonna we're gonna get to that, but I wanted to check in really quickly on like what is the state of labor? Because it seems like, and I just you know I saw the um, uh, some polling that shows the labor movement is more popular basically than it's ever been, uh, and there is bipartisan support for labor which seems weird to me given the list of candidates you've endorsed and the, how candidates behave when they get elected. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's bipartisan, but you know, what's going on with labor in, in Kentucky right now, Bill? Well, you hit on a very important point because uh, public opinion has been a, a very important factor in the success or failure of labor movements around the world. And uh, we, we see uh, public opinion as a, a very important uh, indicator of our support. And uh, Gallup's poll, which you probably referred to is a, uh, reporting 71% approval rating for, for trade unions, uh, which, as you mentioned, is a very uh, historically high number. Uh, I know that Gallo has been polling on this issue since the 1930s, uh, but it looks like uh, the 71% uh, approval rating right now is, is, is the highest in at least 50 to 60 years. Uh, so it's a really incredible turnaround in terms of some of the public opinion polling that's previously occurred in the past decades. And of course, you know, it's up against the uh, propaganda machine of the, uh, you know, elite corporate media uh, and others that are continually try to, you know, blast unions and, uh, and denigrate them and put them in a, and put them in a box. And uh, apparently their efforts have, uh, are not really bearing the fruit that they would hope and that many, many workers, uh, as, as uh, Chuck Eddy just mentioned, have been turning towards unions in large numbers. You've already mentioned the the Starbucks campaigns and the, those at the uh, at the coffee shops in Louisville, the Heine brothers, uh, you know, just last week or so was announced that the the workers over at the Courier Journal at the Gannett newspaper there in Louisville uh, are forming a union as well. Uh, and uh, over and over again, uh, we, we've got uh, good reports of folks just uh, standing up for their rights at the workplace and and deciding that uh, organizing a union is their best uh, opportunity. Uh, to improve their working conditions, their living conditions, their standard of living, uh, and have dignity and respect on the job. It's kind of stuff, uh, Aaron, that, you know, those in the labor movement like myself have been here doing this for decades have, have recognized a long time ago that, uh, you know, this is the option that workers uh, would take in order to improve their, their conditions. And, you know, to have a collective bargaining and a contract that guarantees them the rights on the job that they so uh, richly deserve the wages and the benefits that can be gotten through uh, negotiations and such. So uh, it's an interesting uh, time for organized labor right now. And, you know, we've got our, our people working, uh, you know, overtime like we did during the pandemic. And I, I just want to make sure, you know, we give the shout out to all those workers, uh, those so-called essential workers, which all workers are, that were out there during the pandemic and, uh, you know, risking their lives uh, in many cases to, provide the services and the products that uh, everybody depends on, whether it's in the transportation industry, the service industry, manufacturing. Uh, you know, a lot of our folks, you know, were there, uh, you know, the entire time. They couldn't work at home. And and that's a, a tribute to the, you know, the, the courage that they have and the commitment to improving uh, our economy and our country. And I, I really am proud to, you know, represent our, our working folks here in Kentucky. And uh, it, it really, you know, just basically lifts me up every day to know that there are folks out here uh, that are willing to stand up and, and, and fight for their rights uh, against great odds. 
you know, we've seen the response uh, to the organizing efforts that are going on uh, around the country as well as here in Kentucky. Uh, you know, you just take the Heine brothers, for instance, down in Louisville. I believe they're about a 17-store uh, chain down there, and uh, I believe their flagship store was there at, at Douglas Loop, a place I, I uh, lived close by for a long time. And uh, the workers there organized that uh, facility, and uh, what the company do? Uh, they turned around and closed it. Now, you know, us in the labor movement uh, that have been involved in organizing in industrial and manufacturing sectors, we've seen this happen over and over and over again when workers have come together to organize uh, and the companies just use every mechanism possible to thwart their efforts, uh, whether it's surveillance, captive audience speeches, illegal firings. This is the stuff that goes on all the time. Uh, but when you see the workers that are out here right now uh, putting it on the line, you know, walking out of these stores. Uh, there's uh, been instances in, in McDonald's that just, you know, just flat walked out over the conditions that they're uh, having to put up with and, and the poor wages and benefits and lack of respect that they get. So, you know, there's a, a real movement going on, you know, and a lot of it's been fueled by uh, younger workers uh, in the service industry, uh, which obviously is, is a little bit of a a changeover from what uh, has historically been, you know, our strongholds in the industrial manufacturing and building trades. Yeah. You know, and speaking of building trades, look, we've got the infrastructure bills that were passed through the Biden administration uh, that are literally bringing billions of dollars of construction work into the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Uh, there's just one program alone that's going to deal with abandoned mine land that's going to bring in $75 million a year until 2036. Uh, in, of course, in eastern and far western Kentucky. So, you know, the amount of jobs available that are going to be out there and our, our building trades folks are working, uh, you know, just full bore right now on rebuilding our infrastructure uh, and, and building our manufacturing facilities uh, as well. As you know, uh, Ford is building their huge battery facility down in Glendale. And uh, we have our folks working on that. And we expect a, a huge... Uh, you know, result from that uh, in great jobs, uh, great wages, and great opportunities for folks to have a middle class uh, uh, lifestyle. And, it and really, it does seem like out. it's an exciting time for sure, Bill. And I know, uh, you know, we want to have you on because it was Labor Day, obviously. And get a chance, <laughs> but what's the what's the what's the story with labor? The thing that I always find a little ironic about Labor Day is it seems like politicians of all stripes are willing to celebrate it, uh, but it doesn't seem like that many politicians are actually going to do the work of supporting organized uh, labor when they actually get into office. But I did see, it seemed like the central, the bluegrass uh, labor day picnic was well attended with a lot of fantastic politicians who, you know, have been there for labor. I saw some great pictures with, uh, with Andy being there and others, but you, know, you guys are really active in the, in the, in the political space. You guys do a lot of endorsements as we, as we heard earlier from Chuck, he's endorsed uh, by you guys. There's a whole slew of candidates. Are there races you're most engaged in or what, what are you guys watching the most in, in the next two months between now and November 8th? Well, of course, Aaron, uh, you know, we've got federal races, of course, our congressional district race. Uh, and, you know, look, uh, we've got one uh, congressional district, the third CD uh, with, with our, our great supporter and friend, uh, John Yarmouth has held for, such a long time now and is now uh, bowing out and retiring. And uh, we've got a great candidate, Morgan McGarvey, our state senator, who's been a, a great friend of ours. We've supported him uh, for every race that he's run. Uh, and he's been a great, strong voice for working people uh, in the legislature, in the state senate. Uh, so we have no reservations whatsoever about 
supporting uh, Morgan McGarvey, and we really do need to hold that uh, congressional district seat. Uh, so that's really important for us. You know, there are also, you know, quite a few state house races that we're, you know, going to be working in. As you said, you know, we've got a lot of endorsements, of course, when there's 100 people up for election uh, in the state house alone and, you know, the uh, 16 or so in the state Senate, plus our federal races and our judicial races. There's bunches and bunch of races that we have to uh, weed through and make sure that we're focusing our efforts and our and our and our you know resources and our priorities. Uh, and so, you know, we will choose a lot of different races that are going to be involved with the state house and state Senate. Uh, but what I will add that there's uh, some other races that are uh, as impactful as any that we've seen in a long time, and that is our state Supreme Court races. Uh, as you know, we have our uh, Supreme Court candidate, Michelle Keller, uh, up in the Northern District. I believe, let's see, that is, uh, uh, what is uh, her actual district there? Well, that's the 6th Congressional, the 6th District or the uh, uh, Supreme Court. Uh, Michelle Keller is a, is a fine jurist and somebody that is, uh, really cares about the people of Kentucky, and we're going to really work hard to keep her in all in, in the state Supreme Court as a Supreme Court justice. Uh, and of course, you know who, who her opponent is, the, uh, of course, right? Uh, state Representative Joe Fisher, uh, one of the most conservative, reactionary, uh, anti-woman, anti-reproductive rights uh, legislature we've ever seen uh, that is running against the Michelle Keller and trying to politicize that nonpartisan race and make it Democrat versus Republican when really it should be about who's the better candidate, the better jurist. Uh, and of course, Michelle Keller's got, you know, got it all over Joe Fisher as far as experience and credentials and, and just, uh, you know, as an all around uh, good person. So, so I would say. And then, of course, we have uh, Kelly Thompson down there uh, in the district of, of in, in Bowling Green area, which is second uh, district, of course, a state Supreme Court race down there. Uh, so we're, you know, very well aware of the importance of our state Supreme Court, having uh, argued cases and had cases go to the state Supreme Court in, in, in recent years. Uh, Aaron, of course, you know, our right to work case went to the Supreme Court where we lost by one vote. So uh, we certainly do see that there's an opportunity to get some better uh, representation for working people on the state Supreme Court. So that's why we're really going to be geared up to uh, re-elect uh, Michelle Keller and get uh, Kelly Thompson in there. And then we have another, of course, judicial race that is, uh, of course, very important as well. Can you guess which one that is, Aaron? You're muted there. I'm muted, and I didn't have anything to say either, so I'm totally... <laughs> I mean, okay, I was just trying to give you a little opportunity to make a little guess here. <laughs> it's not a state Supreme Court race, uh, but it's Franklin Circuit Court, right? Uh, yeah. Extremely important uh, race yeah, uh, with... Uh, of Judge, the, Shepherd. Judge uh, Philip Shepard, uh, who's a staunch advocate for working people and, uh, you know, all around uh, a good guy that really supports, uh, you know, the rights of workers for, you know, on every score that we have and would certainly uh, be a great loss if we were to lose uh, Phil Shepard at the uh, at the Franklin Circuit Court. So that, that's it's interesting, you know, that uh, our judicial races at, in this uh, election cycle uh, have you know, risen to a, a, you know, a great priority for us in addition to, you know, our uh, congressional district race, as well as our state Supreme Court, I mean, state Senate and state house. So uh, lots of races for us to uh, be involved with that are, uh, you know, we're going to be working very hard to get our, our friends elected. Uh, of course, you know, this is challenging times uh, for people that stand for working people. Uh, 
if you stand for a big business or corporation or, you know, you've got your highly paid lobbyists, uh, you know, whispering in your ear constantly over the legislature, uh, they're not for us. Uh, and we have to stand together uh, to get candidates that really care about workers, care about job security, care about good wages, care about education, care about safety and health, care about good pensions, care about, you know, everything that makes for a good living uh, and a good standard of living in a, in a middle class lifestyle for the people of Kentucky. And, and, and that's what you know, it's so critical that we need people to understand uh, and we need them to prioritize uh, the issues that are really important to them. Uh, I know that a lot of folks have this, uh, you know, myopic view or they've been diverted into issues that, you know, aren't going to put bread and butter in, on their tables or that's not going to get their children into a, a good education. That's not going to make sure that they have good health care. So we really uh, need to have people that are going to be standing with working folks on all these super important issues, uh, because you know life isn't getting easier for folks. Uh, when we got uh, you know healthcare costs that are spir spiraling out of control, uh, where we have pushbacks on our on our pensions, and uh, where you know wages have not increased the, to the commensurate level that they should under the conditions we have. So uh, yeah. that's why we have a that's why we have a union movement. And yeah. uh, without a union movement, uh, we get that uh, uh, bad uh, economy and that bad political structure called fascism, right? Well, you know, and I think clearly unions, you know, played a huge role in building the middle class. That was one of the things that made America so unique was just the strength of our middle class. Uh, and now we are seeing, you know, more you know, division than we were seeing. We're seeing more, you know, uh, you know, the rich are getting richer and the poor are, are just not. Right. So we, we need unions to have a resurgence because we need to make sure that, you know, that that every everyone has a has a shot here. Uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of my own family's history of unions. Uh, I'm excited about the, what, you know, the, the, the polling that shows the public's behind you guys. But, you know, it doesn't seem like that 71% support is translating into, you know, 71% of the politicians getting that this is important, right? It seems like you were running into a wall in Frankfurt, and I don't know that it's that much easier in D.C. Uh, you know, what's your assessment of kind of where politicians are right now uh, in terms of the labor movement? Well, I think uh, generally speaking, they're uh, divided along party lines. Uh, aside from our, you know, small smattering of support from the Republicans in the in the legislature, which I could name on one hand, and which we have endorsed, uh, you know, the majority of them have drank the Kool Aid and look at unions as some, uh, you know, bad actor that uh, they they can't support uh, because you know they figure that uh, when people get together and collectively bargain, there's something inherently wrong with folks getting together or something. Uh, I haven't quite figured it out, especially when a lot of these folks are like businessmen, you know, they're business people that, you know, sell products and stuff, you know, uh, and, you know, unions help people get more wages so they could buy more of that stuff. I mean, <laughs> this is a consumer oriented society. And you would think that instead of trying to kill the goose that laid the golden egg and put money in people's pockets and allow them to buy all those stuff that people that, that are being made, you would think they would stand with us and have some sort of cooperative understanding and relationship. And, and let me just point out, that's the way it is in a lot of other countries, Aaron. Uh, take Canada, for instance. I mean, their, their uh, union density is like four times what it is in the United States of America. Uh, their standard of living, their, their, uh, you know, their longevity and everything is, is better in, in a lot of these other countries where the employers don't routinely and completely fight the right of workers to form and join unions of their choosing. And when that happens, you have a better economy and a better society all the way around. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, Bill, how many 
billionaires does Amazon does uh you know Canada have? Like I, I don't think they make billionaires that like the oh, US, like the US makes billionaires. Well, exactly. I mean, so there's the point. You know, it's almost like there's a lot less you know eco- income inequality, of course. So you know, when workers have more money to spend, you know, the economies are usually better off. Uh, their lifestyles are better, uh, and business is still making money. You know, when you look at some of these other places where they pay a decent livable wage, like at McDonald's, you know, they don't charge the hamburgers to be anywhere near as much as you would expect. I mean, it's not like they <laughs> increase the, if you if you're paying workers like twenty two dollars an hour, like they are in some of these other countries uh, at fast food restaurants. You know, they're still selling them hamburgers. You know, so it's a real uh, you know. Uh, kind of frustrating uh, type of uh, discussion because, you know, for so long, you know, business has just operated in some manner that everything that, uh, you know, unions and labor stands for, they got to be against. And we see that all the time, you know, unemployment insurance, workers' compensation, you know, things that protect workers are always bad for business. And that's not necessarily the case. It isn't probably ever the case, you know, right. Uh, right. If, if everybody worked together, you know, back in the day, as I would say, uh, like back in the 1930s, you know, there was some promotion of what we would call uh, unions, industry, and government, where we had this tripartite uh, relationship where people would work together in a coordinated manner for the good of the country. Now, all we got is businesses making, you know, ridiculous amounts of money uh, every quarter, making billions and billions of dollars in profit, and basically not sharing it with anybody but a limited amount of shareholders and their CEOs and their, and their top people. I mean... Uh, we, we don't see that kind of, you know, egalitarian, uh, you know, viewpoint uh, that would progress society in a big way. I mean, we've got more resources and more money and more finances than some people like, you know, Elon Musk and, and Jeff Bezos, who own 40 percent more, have 40 percent of all the wealth of the entire country. Of, of all, I mean, the, the imbalance is so, you know, historically ridiculous uh, that there should be, you know, uh, some, you know, at least uh, discussion about how we can bring some more balance back in here. And I think, you know, the Biden administration has tried to move in that direction uh, by, you know, changing some of the tax structure here where corporations begin away paying nothing, you know, and, you know, over the years, the imbalance between what the average worker pays in, t- in taxes as opposed to corporations has just gone crazy and haywire. Uh, you know, they're paying basically nothing uh, because they have so many scams and hidden ways to, you know, move money around. Uh, that they don't pay that much in taxes. And, uh, you know, you and I do, the working people do. And that's the ones that keep this country going. It's, uh, you know, Bezos and uh, Musk. What else What else do they have in common? Harshly, fiercely, determinedly anti-union, right? So, uh, <laughs> Bill, I want to thank you as always. Uh, you're always just informative, enlightening, and you know, really glad to hear about the, the amazing work the AFL-CIO is doing in Kentucky. I really do hope people start putting it together, right? So we know that unions are historically popular. Well, you know what? That you know that historic level of Republican supermajority in Frankfurt is standing against uh, union uh, policy each and every step of the way. Uh, we also know that, you know, look, people want to make sure they've got freedom of choice. Uh, that's really important. That's popular right now. Kansas shows us the way. Well, that Republican supermajority in Frankfurt is standing against that every step of the way. You know, Andy Bashir is really popular right now. People like what he's doing. Well, you know what? That Republican supermajority in Frankfurt is standing against him every step of the way. There's a, there's a common theme here, folks, and I really do hope uh, uh, voters wake up and uh, show up on November, November 8th. But, Bill, glad to hear all the work you're doing to make sure that happens. 
here here good uh, good way to end it there show up vote uh vote your own interest vote the interest of your family Awesome. Uh, all right. So always love checking in with Bill Londrigan and the AFL CIO. Uh, we now do, uh, we're, we've gone long. Uh, we need to move on. We got our call to action. Unfortunately, it looks like Macy's has called uh, Kimberly into a meeting or something. We, we have lost uh, Kimberly for the rest of the show. It seems like uh, Nate, let me know if she shows up, but uh, we do have some important stuff we want to call uh, close out with. So voter registration day folks, that is September 20th. So if you'd like to help Progress Kentucky get out and register voters, let us know. Uh, we'd like to organize a week of action that week of September 20th. We can do a, a bunch of it virtually. You can you can raise your hand and uh, just organize your friends through your you know DMs and make sure everyone knows how to ch- update the registration, that they know where they're registered to vote because things have changed, right, through, uh, through the redistricting and the even more gerrymandered districts we now live in. Uh, you might not know who you're voting for this time. So we really important we uh, get that information out to people and anyone who needs to update their voter registration or get registered for the first time, they've got the tools to do it. We're open to good ideas and good locations for that outreach. We just need to build the buzz about the November election and make sure we've got as many voters registered and engaged as possible. Go ahead and leave a comment in the comments uh, or send us a message or shoot us an email, info at progressky.org if you'd like to help out with voter registration, we, uh, week of action for voter registration day on September 20th. Uh, also, our friends at Forward Kentucky have put some time and energy into a wonderful new online resource to help keep track of candidates, endorsements, fundraising, all the info you need to know over the next uh, you know, two months. They've also added a great list of candidate interviews using our content as well as that of uh, my old Kentucky podcast. So if you want to know where to go to hear from folks who are seeking your vote, head to forwardkentucky.com slash election dash central. Uh, they've got an interviews tab specifically. We'll put that link uh, in the comments. Uh, also, really important, I don't know if folks are on this week, uh, the um, Protect Kentucky Access had an all action call or call, uh, yeah, call all action. I don't know, a big phone call to let people know what they're doing to make sure that they fight. we fight Amendment 2 successfully to keep abortion, try to keep abortion legal in Kentucky. And if Kansas can do it, why can't we? Uh, that's Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, and groups from all across the Commonwealth joining forces to campaign against Amendment 2. Uh, and heard from their leadership team of Rachel Sweet, who actually just ran the Kansas campaign, uh, can- and Kentucky grassroots campaign organizer Kelsey Coots. Uh, they are recruiting canvassers, phone bankers, digital organizers from all across the state. Please do uh, you know, support that in- uh, initiative. I think it's really important that we end that amendment. Uh, final call to action here. Please do take our poll. We've got over 275 responses. We'd like to hit 300. Uh, 300 responses would be wonderful. And then we can tell the media what's going on and what are the least popular actions of the General Assembly. Again, we got to remind voters. we got to remind the public. What do these guys do in Frankfurt? Because it's not standing up for you and me, that's for sure. It's not advancing the policies bill and the labor movement needs. It's not protecting a woman's access uh, to reproductive health care. That's for sure. Uh, So this is uh, how we can do it. That's why that poll is really important. I know it's not fun looking at all the horrible things that they did in Frankfurt uh, with this session, but you got to rank your your top five or top three. What are the worst of the worst? We'll tell the, the media. We'll remind our voters about uh, what they do when, when we send them back to Frankfurt. All right, that's it. That's the show. We're going to be back next week. We've got another awesome guest. Uh, I think actually what we're doing next week for the campaign corner, we have got Susan Sintra, 
Uh, Susan is running in the 34th district, which is uh, Lexington and Madison counties. Uh, and then we will have someone else uh, talking about one of the other big campaigns and issues that, uh, that we're trying to inform voters about between now and November 8th. So we are all in on the elections for sure. I hope you are as well. Uh, but Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State. We are organized as a 501c4. We are affiliated with the Indivisible Project and the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement Cave Table. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. Production this evening was by NATO, who also wrote our theme songs. Uh, you can find out more information and hear his awesome music at NATO Songs. Dot com. NATO, we've got two months until we got to have a big Rand Paul retirement party. Are we going to have a song for Rand Paul's retirement? Do you think, can we do a song this year? We did, we did uh, uh, the Mitch song and that was amazing. Do you, what do you think? You got it in you, Nate? Can you do it? Can you do another song? You're muted. You're muted. Yeah, not, not good for a songwriter to be muted. I could probably do it. <laughs> Right? Uh, I think it writes itself. This song writes itself. Rand Paul fighting yeah. Fauci, you know, not I think I think we can do it. I think it'll be a I think with a hit, it'll be a, the hit of the campaign season. Yes. We need and, to tell uh, Rand to stand down. Stand down Rand. Stand, stand down, down Rand. Rand. Yep. Is he a doctor? Is he not a doctor? I think there's there's all sorts of things about his hair. We can do a few verses about his hair. I mean, that's I think remarkable. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We try to we try to avoid you know personal attacks based on a come on that, that hair, hair though that, <laughs> it is it is pretty magnificent I will say. <laughs> uh, all right so Debbie Lucas Angel in the comments uh, I just want to note she is saying remember Amendment One as well uh, their Plan B if we overturn Amendment Two and the supermajority gets Amendment One through they can call themselves into session and pass statutes to stop abortions they can do whatever they want right so it's part of their whole uh, agenda to take away as much power from our governor as possible. Although at a certain point they're, you know, you'd imagine they'll have a Republican governor. So I don't exactly know why they want to take away his power, but who knows? Uh, James Campbell's not a fan of Rand. That's why we're a fan of James. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, uh, he's, he's writing some lyrics. Uh, so I think, I think we might have a collab. We're going to have a collab on this, uh, this song, but mark my words, deadline uh, writer Nate Orshan is going to be uh, bringing us an amazing hit song of the campaign season. So y'all, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you, everyone has a great week. If you like the show, share out the show. Let your friends who care about politics in Kentucky know a bit about it uh, because the more the merrier. And the only way we turn our Commonwealth purple is by getting more folks engaged. All right. So uh, if you miss our weekly live stream on Facebook, don't worry. You can rewatch shows and see our source links on Facebook. Audio podcasts are available on Apple, on Google, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Logo and some graphic content provided by Couchfire Media. And they have a website. All right. That's it. We're out. What's that closing? Let's do that closing.